This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. I am Kyle with... Jesse. Sick Jesse. Sick Jesse. So, so sick. So we should, full disclosure on this one, we attempted this, to record this podcast days ago using this new software that a friend of ours who just started a podcast is using, uh, which is great, and we will promo it if it works this time, but uh, we unfortunately lost one entire half of the uh, the conversation, so we recorded a 33-minute file with only me. Nobody wants to hear that. It also sounds like I'm crazy I'm talking to myself, but... <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, we, we this is our effort of getting an episode to you every Monday regardless, and it is now Sunday night we are recording this, so we are down to the wire. It's great. Uh, why don't we just do it live? Yeah, shoot, we're doing it live. Just screw it. We're doing it live. <laughs> this is this is as live as we've ever done. I Yeah, I think so. I mean, night, you're, night we're not even... And we're not even in the same room. Like, we're trying a lot of things here for the first time. This is yeah. pretty crazy. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the other reason that we are, we are separated and we had to attempt this apart is because you're sick. Sick. Yeah. Still sick. Yes. I don't, I don't, I've never had a, a cold like this. I assume it's a cold. It's some sort of upper respiratory infection. You went to the doctor. Yeah. Went to the doctor. I did. An Italian doctor, you say? He is Italian. Although I think he's lived here for some time, but ah, I um, see. Makes me happy. Italian American. <laughs> sure, but he was—he uh, has his medical degree from the University of Rome. See how many people can do that? That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, not here, not around here. You don't find that a lot. But no, no, no. Everybody's UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara, UC blah 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 blah. Right. So he did. He told me uh, we're talking about antibiotics today, in case. Uh, Hadn't picked up on that yet. My doctor <laughs> told me, here's an expectorant. Uh, take this. Hopefully, you'll just spit out your infection. Uh, if you don't if you don't feel better, uh, start taking your antibiotic, this this prescription. He gave me two uh, prescriptions, one for an expectorant to fill right away and start using, and the other one for the antibiotic that I was supposed to start using on Saturday if I didn't feel better. And I thought I felt better, so I didn't start it, and now I don't feel great again. So now, now you're back to considering it. <laughs> I'm considering it. Although uh, Becky got me set up with the neti pot. Ooh, nice! Those I tried are legit. that. It looks legit. I don't think I did it right, but uh, yeah, I don't I think did I did do it right the first couple of times I did it. Like Kimberly swears by that. That my wife, she swears by that thing. She actually she does it every night right now, just because she feels so congested. Yeah, That's I think crazy. I may be on that train. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like I think it's the weather change. It's obviously something's going around. Like there's a handful of things that I think are causing it, but uh-huh. it seems a bit more persistent than than usual for this time of year. Yeah, I did learn that. Uh, so colds are a virus, right? So if it's sure. if I have just a regular old common cold, then taking an antibiotic won't do anything for me because it's not a bacterial infection. Antibiotics only kill bacteria, not viruses. Obviously, I think we discussed last time, last week. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm not sure how I will know that it's a bacterial infection, not a viral infection or a fungal infection, but I guess I'll just know and I'll start an antibiotic. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, <laughs> what, 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 what else are you left with? <laughs> right. An antibiotic. 
let's go go with definitions on this. Uh, as, as you already said, it's only good for uh, for for bacterial infections, not viral infections. Right. And I have a whole article about exactly how antibiotics work. But nonetheless, they are known as anti also known as antibacterials, and they are types of medication that destroy or slow down the growth of bacteria. Right. So there, there's some key in that. It doesn't slow down the growth of all bacteria, just particular bacteria, right? That's why there's different bio- antibiotics. Uh, not entirely clear on that. It seems like it would be so like peroxide, hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. Just kills all bacteria because it destroys their cell wall. Um, Interesting. Not, I'm not actually sure how antibiotics do it. Yeah, because like hydrogen peroxide is like chemical, like legit chemical. I mean, it, like not not chemical in the in the fashion that we normally talk about it, where it's like this man-made amalgamation of different things that we put together and made a chemical. Like it. And it is that, but I mean, it's a chemical that occurs naturally in somewhat naturally in nature and like kills things, um, you know, like brain cells and <laughs> oh, logic yeah. and reason. There is that. Not the same type of alcohol, but nonetheless, I mean, it's just a, it's just a catastrophic like destroyer of living organisms, I guess, whereas antibiotics are more focused particular uh, bacteria? I don't know that's true, because I've always heard that you, once you take antibiotics, you have to, to eat like yogurt or something to rebuild your your gut flora. Your bacteria. Which, which is the good bacteria in your belly. It helps you digest food and stuff. So funny, I've never heard that. I, I mean, it makes sense, though. It makes perfect sense. Maybe it's my uh, alternative medicine mom who uh, <laughs> about that. Still, I mean, like it. Yeah, that that's that seems pretty logical. I, I wouldn't poo-poo it right away. So high, peroxide has extra extra uh, oxygen atom, and that's how it apparently. I don't really understand it. It's all chemistry to me. Yeah. See, I was never good at that. I was much better. I mean, I wasn't great at biology, but I was much better at biology than I was with chemistry. And I'm sure they covered it in both sides, but yeah. could never follow it. Yeah, you just pour it on your cut, and it foams and stuff. Yeah, see, and it hurts a little bit. I know that. See, that's I can get that. That I know. Uh-huh. That's an experience. Yeah, yeah, I can get by. So overall, we're not just talking about antibiotics, though, and about infections and and antibodies and all that stuff. We're talking about antibiotics being completely useless. The end of antibiotics. That's that is exactly what we're covering today. Yeah. And so why 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 how did this come up? How did this end up in our topic list? For me, the first time I was exposed to the the idea of. Uh, antibiotics becoming useless was my wife Becky had got a it was actually a dog bite and I don't think it was it wasn't infected at first but somehow she got it got MRSA in it which is really a gnarly infection that's drug resistant it stands for something right it is an acronym MRSA uh, it stands for resistant strain the R and S are resistant strain the M is the, the name of the bacteria, I think, probably. It's methicillin-resistant staphylococcus auris. Why is everything go. in Latin? Man, that's horrible. That that's horrible. it. That's it. We'll talk more about staph later, the staphylococcus auris, which Ugh. we'll just call staph. Yes, please. <laughs> we don't need comedy every time I try to pronounce that. Yeah. But anyway... Becky had gotten MRSA. Yeah, from so a she, got, she got MRSA in her open cut, which is is pretty common, as we'll see. And uh, they, the doctors at the hospital that she was that she went to to get it treated actually 
wanted to take a culture of the wound and find out what was what bacteria was in there that they were trying to kill and then they they prescribed a topical antibiotic which was i'm pretty sure it was a cream and she just had to rub on there so it, it was very localized that specific area because it was so potent that it would be a health threat otherwise i think that was my understanding and so MRSA as as is implied by the definition is resistant to methicillin methicillin which is right. a, i'm guessing a strain of penicillin or something something along those lines i don't know no, they're, so they're uh, their progression of there's somewhere there's a chart i've heard tell of that has all the the progressions of of psyllins uh, and toxins no toxins something else psyllins some of them have a different name a different suffix. But anyway, all the antibiotics that have been developed to try to kill staph as it changes, as it mutates, and uh, methicillin is, was, at, at one time, the latest. So I guess now we're on to something else. But. Yeah, apparently. And well, that I mean, that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon for any sort of bacterial infection or otherwise, any type of bacteria to like mutate to some degree to where it becomes resistive to the way we, as the human race, have started killing things off. Like, the flu vaccine is a really good example. And most people, it's somewhat commonly known that the flu vaccine is actually a different, it's a different vaccine every year. Right. And it's just a kind of, I don't know, almost like the doctor, it seemingly to me the way it was explained, it was that the doctors essentially like get all of the more common strains of flu that are going to be, that are going to be found throughout the season, throw a dart, <laughs> a dart at the dartboard and say, we're going to vaccinate this area of the country with this one. Yeah. And just kind of attempt to kill off the spread of that infection for that season, you know, obviously catalog it, catalog any reported cases, and then they, you know, make a better guess next next year and then the year after that, and then, you know, use that information as they go along. But yeah. it's not uncommon for infections to mutate and then antibiotics to get changed. And like you said, there's, you know, there a progression of psyllins that have gone on that way. So. I, all that to say, it's common in general. It is. It's common. It's uh, to be expected at this point. But the, the, the fear would be is that <clears throat> they mutate so far that we don't have any sort of uh, antibiotic strain that can fight the particular bacterial infection that, you know, whatever one we'd be looking at or any of them in general that have mutated beyond being treatable. Right. That they'll just, they'll progress faster than, than our ability to treat them. Right, and they, they, we talked about that last week. There are diseases that have done that in the past. The bubonic plague uh, evolved enough that it wasn't killing off its host fast enough to, uh, you know, it wasn't killing off its host before it had spread. Right. So it mutated to like slow down the amount of the amount of death it caused, I guess, so it could spread a little bit further. So there is a strain that some some doctors have found recently that uh, that is linked back to the bubonic plague. I think we yeah. posted the article about it last week, but um gee, I hope so. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky for us. But, but while it might not seem like anything that's all too panicky, they like antibiotics actually treat a fair amount of things like you had said Becky's uh, MRSA treatment was topical, uh something that was applied to the skin. Uh, and there, there's a, a fair amount. I mean, like Neosporin, I think technically is an antibiotic. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. There, you know, there's a, you can lose a lot by losing antibiotics. If antibiotics go away, go away altogether, like the ability to treat cancer the way we treat it now is completely gone. Transplanting organs is 
you know, in jeopardy. Yeah. Pretty much any treatment that relies on any port into the bloodstream, like kidney dialysis, uh, any open cavity surgery, the heart, the lungs, the abdomen, any anything at all. Like, I mean, C-sections would be pretty catastrophic. Anything like implanted. Even getting an IV. Yeah, like absolutely, because any 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 implantable device that you put into the into the body for any extended period of time, and an extended period of time is like longer than it would take to give you a vaccine. The body tries to fight naturally; it's a foreign object in your body. So, like right. yeah. you know, heart valve replacements and plastic surgery, and uh, I think you had a better explanation as to to what the body, how the body reacts to like a new heart valve, for instance, and then how it ends up grafting. Yeah, uh, right, the body will it's a foreign object in there and the body will try to reject it and fight it off. It'll send white blood cells and, and try to shut down that, that area and fight off the new valve. So they use antibiotics to, cause white blood cells are a bacteria too. So they're, they're using antibiotics in that instance to uh, get the white blood cells not to do damage to the new heart valve until it's, you know, or whatever organ it happens to be until it's fully integrated. And that makes perfect sense. That that's kind of a, our way that we've learned to trick the body into accepting, you know, these yeah. plastic heart valves or or even other other species heart valves. I think they were using pig valves for a while, or they maybe they still do. I have no idea. Yeah, I saw something about that recently, unrelated, but yeah, well, you know, crazy in your travels and searching for material for the Impossible Things podcast, <laughs> you come across a lot of crazy stuff. No kidding. Sometimes. Like, for instance, the Chinese, the Chinese sci- scientists, not, not ones that I've ever met, but Chinese scientists have oh. uh, found a mutation to a gene, a, a bacteria, a bacteria that has, has become completely resistant to treatment as we know it today. Uh-huh. And, and they've called it the MCR-1 gene. And it prevented, it prevented colistin from killing bacteria, which I guess colistin is a... Uh, the latest and greatest. I, I guess in the in the case of what they were trying to treat. So the quote from the the pull quote from you know because this is obviously an apocalyptic type type of article like oh everybody panic there's this thing going on, um, but the, what they said is if MCR one becomes global, which is which is a case of when not if, and the gene aligns itself with other antibiotic resistant genes, which is inevitable, then we will very likely have reached the start of the post antibiotic era. At that point, if a patient is seriously ill with, say, E. coli, there is virtually nothing you can do. Yeah, yep. That's, I mean, that's an extreme way to state the point, but not, 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 un, not unplausible. Certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, and that is the gene mutation is the way that this would spread. So there's a, a bacteria can actually pass the genes to each other. They mate, and so this would what they're saying with. And then not explaining it very well, at least not in the this section of the article. Maybe, maybe later they do. But is that the genes will bump into each other, and then uh, they could pass that the resistant gene on the colostin resistant gene, you know, onto a different bacteria. So the MCR one bumps into the flu, and then the flu can take on that resistant trait, which is kind of freaky. And then you know. You know, they they use E. coli here as an example, but I don't know. You know, whatever's your it could your, be the flu. It could be your apocalyptic bacteria right. infection. Could be anything at that point. Yeah, the plague. So, I mean, I suppose I suppose we should go back to the beginning. How did we for how were antibiotics first discovered? So there's this there's a story, and no one knows if it's really a true story, but 
I did corroborate it in a couple of places, but it, that all that means is they're using the same source material. So somewhere this story originated, and no one no one's been able to refute it. That Alexander Fleming, who was the discoverer of the penicillin, the first the first antibiotic that killed staph. I guess we should talk about staph a little bit. Yeah, first. yeah. Uh, let's staph, explain that, and then the Staphylococcus. Yeah. RS that we mentioned earlier. Uh, it actually that's a bacteria that that we all have on our skin and just kind of lives on us and it's harmless until it gets into your blood or into your body in some other way uh, people in, in war or just you know anywhere in your garden back in the day before this was discovered before antibiotics were discovered uh, so World War one is a good example people lost limbs and everything because people uh, a limb got infected you just had to cut it off because there was no way to remove the infection from your foot or something they just cut your your leg off yeah and that was a, a infection was a huge killer in, in World War one so this Alexander Fleming was was working probably towards the end of World War one I. I don't have the exact year here I should have written that down but yeah I'll look it up while uh, you're he, finishing the story great teamwork that's teamwork that's what makes the dream work uh, so he he was apparently kind of a slob and he was working on ways to kill staff I assume uh, he had a lot of staff growing on these trays and he was working on it and uh, came to his vacation he he just left the lab left everything out left the windows open in his lab in London and went on vacation when he came back he found all this staff growing but in a couple of the trays he found little pockets that were dead and there was mold on the trays that had apparently just blown in the window landed on on the trays where the staff was growing it started molding and killing the staff and that was the discovery of penicillin total accident and he says this is the this is the quote that i found that is where i found the date he says when i woke up just after dawn on september 28 1928 i certainly didn't plan to revolutionize all medicine by discovering the world's <laughs> first antibiotic or bacteria killer but i suppose that's exactly what i would i did yeah <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> That's I mean, it's a pretty well, pretty clever statement. He was a British guy. Yeah, known for understatement. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that. Love that sort of humor. <laughs> or should I say, I greatly admire that sort of. Humor. <laughs> or I, uh, I'm amused by that. I have an affinity for that kind of humor. <laughs> <laughs> So if that that's that's where this originated. Like I mean, we're talking about a about a treatment plan that's not even a hundred years old, and we're already talking right. about the demise of that type of treatment. yeah, the end of it, crazy. But like as we said, like I mean, the, the good news is because we know that this has worked, like, and we have a way to catalog things we've tried and different different tests and stuff with different particular bacteria and killing it. We can continue the development based off of where we're at right now. And so we're trying. Uh -huh. Apparently, there are new ways we're trying to kill bacteria. I think this is. I think this is your your research, though. Oh, uh, Freya Harrisona. That's the one. And Christina Leak. So there's a. If you are in so inclined and interested in another podcast, I could recommend. It's called Radio Lab. Ah, Radio Lab. Oh, you're familiar. A little bit, yeah. only a little. Uh, so you, you may actually you enjoy this one. It's good. Oh, it's to called that. the episode is called Staff Retreat. I think it's from late last year, maybe the fall, September. Yeah, you know, just look around at their catalog. So they talk about 
these two scientists, or one one scientist and one linguist, actually, Freya Harrisona and Christina Leake. And I forget which one is the, the scientist and which one's the linguist, but they're they're opposites of each other. So one's a a linguist for her job and the and a a biochemist kind of as a hobby on the side. And the other one is a biochemist for her job and a linguist as a hobby. So they they met up at a conference or something, and they started talking, and uh, they had an idea to use this old leech book the, called Bald's Leech Book, and it was written over a thousand years ago, and it had a lot of uh, remedies for various infections that would have been familiar to the people at the time. Um, so there's one recipe in particular they decided to try first because it at the bottom of it, or maybe it was the top, anyway, somewhere on the entry it said, the best medicine. So they, they made it as close as they could figure because of the language, the translation, uh, they didn't always know exactly what, what vegetables or vegetation was being referred to. Mm-hmm. But I did find a list of some of the ingredients. It's uh, it's kind of a garlic and leek based. So equal amounts of garlic and other other allium, either onion or leek, finely chopped and crushed into a mortar for two minutes. Add 25 millimeters of English milliliters of English wine taken from a historic vineyard near Glastonbury. Dissolve bovine salts in distilled water. Add and then keep chilled for nine days at four. Celsius, four degrees Celsius. So that is called Bald's Eye Salve, and it was in the Bald's Leech book. That's so funny. Which was an old uh, book of remedies from back in the day. Any, any, you want to take a stab at uh, at explaining why it was called uh, a leech book? Let's see. They did talk about this in the episode too, and or maybe I heard this somewhere else. But the leeches, so leeches are these little. Do you know? Are I you, are you uh, well. I I would guess it's tied to the way they used to to treat certain diseases is that they would use leeches to suck your blood out of the uh, infected area. Right, but the uh, the animal leech is named for the doctor. Oh, no, that, that I had no idea. See, that's great. Yeah, the word leech applies to a doctor is older than the, the leech. Ah. Of the blood sucker, pond dweller. See, see, this is why I'm glad you explained that. I Here I was thinking it was tied to the, the archaic method of, you know, uh, manual transfusion of blood. <laughs> Uh-huh. But this this resin, this uh, remedy that they found killed ninety percent of MRSA bacteria. Jeez! But um, such luck, and they pulled yeah. that from a thousand year old recipe. You said, yeah. So why don't we just keep using this? You think? I I don't know. Like yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I think I've got a lot of theories as to why we don't in this country. But like the British and the European Union are far more open to. Uh, you know, far more open to, as well as have access to a lot of this, like, handwritten journals from old doctors, like, not even famous yeah. doctors. I mean, this doesn't sound like it was an incredibly famous book. It sounds like it was just an old book with old ideas, and they decided yeah. to try some. Hard for books to move around in those days, but... True, and, you know, after a while, there's no motivation to move it. Like, if the book's sitting in an old library in, in London, mm-hmm. you know, if nobody's interested in the book, just leave it there. Right. So that that's the kind of thing uh, I would think would be 
a lot more productive in Europe than in the United States. Yeah, generally we're we're pretty married to our chemical solutions. Yeah. But one of the theories was that that uh, staff became resistant to the onion remedy. Right. And so they stopped. It fell out of favor because it didn't work anymore. But now we think that the that staff has uh, mutated yet again, but it's mutated back to a form that can be attacked using this this uh, onion the onion the onion Maybe. method for lack of a better it's term. It's as valid a theory as any. We'll see if it if it develops a uh, resistance to onions again. I'm sure they're well, going to test that. Oh yeah. Well, and frankly, like I mean, for all we know, even though antibiotics are currently you know on the chopping block by by the bacteria we're trying to kill. For all we know, in another thousand years or even less, they might mutate back to something we can treat with antibiotics. And hopefully, because we're much better at storing and sharing information nowadays, it'll be some a solution that'll be easy easier to come by uh, when the time comes. Speaking of which, I did I just did a quick search just before we got on here to record and uh, found a Popular Mechanics article. Yes, the it, it uh, references. Two new ways to kill superbugs, bacteria. Uh, one is proteins, the other one's polymers. Ooh. Uh, it doesn't go into a lot of detail. I think probably their readership would gloss over it like I would. But it just says that for proteins, with some researchers in California, they were working on E. coli, and they used a purified form of lytic protein. And it's uh, something that's already used by the bacteria itself to poke small holes in its own cell walls to multiply. Huh. So we talked about cells multiplying, so they have to break their cell wall to mate with other cells. So they, they isolated the protein that's already poking holes in the cell wall and then uh, use that to, to break down the bacteria. Interesting. Pretty clever. Very. And the other one's, the other one's similar. It's a nanoscale polymer that destroys bacteria by damaging the cell walls. They don't really go into a lot of well, one's, one sounds a little more natural to the, the progression of cell formation, yeah. and the other one sounds more intrusive. Maybe. Uh, the polymers, it says here that somebody's being quoted, Jim Hendrick. He says, the polymers are emulating our own immune system. Uh, the polymer, polymers are biodegradable. Once their job is done, the human body naturally expels them. Huh. So they do the similar thing. They, they get in and they... They just destroy the cell walls of the bacteria. That sounds fascinating. Nanoscale, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, yeah, those are so some that's good techniques, good techniques moving forward, it sounds like. Hopefully. I mean, some of these things sound like they could be even better than antibiotics were for us. Right, especially the, the pro- that protein. That yeah, protein a lot method. more specialized, maybe. Kind of like we were talking about at the top of the episode, whether antibiotics are can be uh, focused on one particular bacteria or not. Mm. It sounds like this protein really could, this protein solution, it's completely, even the polymer. Completely valid point. I mean, like, and I, frankly, I think that's one of the, the more awesome things I, I feel about human nature is that our problem-solving ability seems to always go exponentially up as we go forward. I mean, depending on what's happening in the world, obviously, like, world wars kind of get in the way of that, a little bit distracting. Yeah. But the fact that we're aware that there's an antibiotic apocalypse is, is how it was phrased in one of the articles I found yeah. is it, it, that we're already focusing on alternative solutions outside of antibiotics. I think that's it gives me a lot of hope, which is rare for me. It certainly seems like there's some solutions out there, other ways to kill bacteria. Uh, I mean, when you hear people talk about this, it just 
it's all doom and gloom and, and what are we going to do without antibiotics and you know these solutions may not solve every problem like the uh, the open cavity surgeries and the, the the organ transplants and cancer treatments and, and all the things we've mentioned at the top but you know there's sometimes we're even uh, we're we're motivated to find better solutions when faced with the necessity to do so yeah and i mean like you said kind of like a ancillary benefit would be that you know antibiotics kill all all bacteria good and bad maybe this new method only kills the ones that we're trying to kill and like maybe yeah, we can fo- focus surgery a little bit better or like not you know surgery is pretty intrusive no matter where you do it in the body and no matter how involved right. it is but maybe we can find a more focused way i mean la- laparoscopy was uh, a huge leaps and bounds difference in more common surgeries maybe there's another huge advancement that could be made just from the recovery process with uh this technology that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah no it's very very optimistic about it but uh you know nonetheless it, it is something that i think would be a good good byproduct interesting about human nature that these uh, processes probably existed the whole time and we just never looked for them right you know now that we we need to we need them start looking around and oh hey guess what there was this better solution the whole time maybe we didn't have the technology to isolate proteins or use the formulate the nanoscale polymers well you know what they say about necessity being the mother of invention yeah who says that plato nice plato what a wise man i was gonna guess ben franklin but yeah right he probably ripped off yeah plato. doesn't everybody it's not really ripping off it's more like uh research <laughs> yeah it's a it's an illusion yeah an education. illusion, not an illusion. Uh-huh. It's it's an illusion. An, an illusion? An illu- illusion. This is see, hmm. we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot. We don't have enough inflection in our version of English. Like the British have this down pat. They're much better at it. It's almost like they invented it. Yeah. Well, I I feel we're digressing. So do we do do we think <laughs> that this is possible? Like I mean, fully possible to lose all antibiotics, like the antibiotic apocalypse, as it was called. Do we think that that's possible, or do we think that we'll have an alternative solution that's already proven, a uh, proven method outside of antibiotics before the time to fully abolish antibiotics is here? I think the drug companies would be would have a, a lot of stake in doing something like that. Uh, it costs a lot to get new drugs on the market if they could find a, an alternative to, to uh, creating new drugs that are just going to be useless right. in a year, then I'm sure they would be happy to invest more money in that than they would into a, a, an endless cycle of creating new antibiotics that are going to be... So yes, it's possible in your eyes? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say it's even likely. Ooh, likely. That's almost a promise. Wow. Yeah, you don't hear that from me very often. No, this is like... This is rare here. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. It's productive. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think that... I mean, I think this is just the progress of nature in general, that an- antibiotics are obviously just, I mean, like not obviously, maybe not so obvious. Life finds a way, isn't that the, the wonderful quote from Jurassic Park? That's right, yeah. And I think bacteria, this bacteria is going to find a way to remain alive as much as the bubonic plague has for cu- a couple hundred years in, right. in ver- a variety of strains, but it's still alive. It, it, I mean, it, it lives on our bodies constantly. We're not going to totally right. eradicate it. Yeah, well, we talked about that before. <laughs> so, uh, what are we talking about next week? I don't know if I'll be joining you, but uh, it certainly is an interesting topic. It's attention deficit disorder, is it? Yes, that's what it is. And yeah. we, we should we should be clear that we're not talking about whether or not ADD exists or doesn't. 
Like that's, I don't think that that's really for us to decide. I think it's more, I think it's more, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it really, but we, we definitely have a discussion about it next week. And Jimmy seemed very, very, very opinionated about it. I think from some personal experience that he'll, I'm sure he'll yeah. be willing to share in context. It'd be great to hear. Yeah. But we're hoping that this, okay. this, this methodology of recording will work that all three of us can actually be involved in the discussion. Uh, Jimmy and I, well, Jimmy's still in China. I'll be joining him in a, a matter of days here. And so we're hoping to catch a majority of his input for that topic, but it would be nice to throw Jesse in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I got stuff to say. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, usually do and then i think after that is the uh is the overview episode for the month of may which it i, well, we may, I think i'm on deck we may have something special oh that's right there's five there's five mondays this month this is a five monday month so we're, what are we thinking of for that fifth monday on, uh could be a surprise i like that i like surprises that's good yeah it's surprise only because we don't actually know okay yet. well now now you now you've shown all of our cards they now they know we haven't planned anything yet we got irons in the fire though. we do have irons in the fire know that <laughs> we have a plan it might be really <laughs> awesome or it could be really predictable who knows who knows but yes, you are you're correct in saying that you're on deck for the review. Yes, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to giving it another go. I feel like each time each of us does an episode or something by ourselves, it gets even a little bit better. And that might be our perception of it, but I'm going to take it as progress. Yeah, it's really hard to to just open up the mic and start talking with no one else present. Right. I mean, it's hard enough to uh, do this like through the internet that we're doing right now because yeah. I can't see you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've gotten really used to being in the same room. At least, yeah. I think it's still what I prefer. Oh, me too. I think there's more personality there. Certainly our preferred method is not to be spread all over the world, but uh, it's nice to know that we have an alternative means of getting episodes out weekly. Right. Yes, that makes me happy. So, speaking of which, you can find this podcast on uh, on our website primarily, impossiblethingspodcast.com. Uh, you can find it in iTunes, which is hopefully you're just – you're waking up on Monday mornings and it's sitting there waiting for you to listen and yell at. Uh, but we've also recently added Google Play Music. The The Google Play Music app has a podcast subdivision that we are now listed in. And then uh, you can always find any of this stuff via our Facebook, which we'd love for you to comment yep. on and share so people actually see it. Yes, please comment, even if it's to say... Uh... You guys are dumb. I, I, I would even love that. That that sparks a great discussion. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure uh, our good friend Greg is getting really sick of being the only person to post exhaustively on our... Oh, and Scott. Scott as well. Let's not forget your friend Scott. That's true, yeah. Yeah, he's a good person. Yeah, the two of them are... Adam Tozer. Also yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. The, most, the most common recently have been uh, Scott and Greg. So that's right. maybe we can get Scott and Greg to repost these and, you know, that'll spark spark the flame of other people telling us we're dumb. <laughs> anyone anyone please we're, we're taking anybody <laughs> so we'll uh we'll talk to you next week with the new episode yep brand new yeah thanks for listening yes thank you thanks for joining us today visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on twitter facebook and email questions topic suggestions corrections and rants are always welcome also find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible.